Welcome back to Get Your Goat. Your host, Josh, here. And today, we're going to be talking about the trade of the century in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers returning to Green Bay. Seahawks making another surprising move later in the day. Then, some free agent resignings already getting started. Talking about the NFC North as well. How the rest of the teams shape up with the Green Bay Packers. Then I'll get into the NBA and discuss Kyrie dropping 50. Suns and Heat tonight, two number one seeds. Is this a finals preview? Then I'm going to go into the NHL, give you my top five, and then make some predictions for championship week in college basketball. So let's get started with one of the biggest blockbuster trades in NFL history. The Seattle Seahawks traded Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, and their fifth-round pick to the Denver Broncos for two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fourth-round pick, along with QB Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, and defensive lineman Shelby Harris. Congratulations, Russell Wilson. You have just guaranteed a playoff spot and a possible Super Bowl berth. This, my friend, is a major move. Congratulations, you sly dog, saying this whole time, Seattle's where I want to be. I love it out here on the West Coast. Well, Denver, I don't know if I'd consider that West Coast. Is it, you know, West? Yes, but not West Coast, so you kind of get your wish there. So, you know, pulling out all the stops on us, saying Seattle's it, you know, and here we are talking about you as a Denver Bronco. Denver Broncos absolutely won this trade, no doubt about it. Russell Wilson won this trade. Russell Wilson goes from a diminished Seahawk roster that just has a a lack of talent who, you know, has to me, doesn't have a top 10 wide receiver. Uh, Right now, you know, DK Metcalf had the one good year with Russell Wilson. I don't think we'll be talking about him a lot with Drew Locke or any of these other players with Drew Locke. A diminished offensive line, a a defense that severely is underwhelming. He gets out of that situation and goes to Denver. And guess what? Both teams last year were seven and ten. The Seahawks were seven and ten with Russell Wilson. He missed three games but seven and ten. The Broncos were seven and ten. They didn't have Russell Wilson all year. They had Drew Locke, they had Teddy Bridgewater Teddy Bridgewater. Now they get Russell Wilson. And they know the schedule is going to be just as tough because that schedule is never easy when you've got to play Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs twice a year, the Justin Herbert and the Chargers twice a year, and a Derek Carr and the Raiders twice a year. So it's never going to get easy. So you either suffer in your talented team without a quarterback and you go 7-10 and 10, or you go out and get Russell Wilson. And this was big. Because I wasn't expecting it after all the time Russell Wilson said no. And then earlier in the day, yesterday as well, Aaron Rodgers signs his mega contract, which I'll get into in a few minutes. But he signs his big contract. So it looks like, you know, nothing, you know, exciting is going to happen in, uh, you know, this kind of week before free agency starts up. And then out of nowhere, you know. I watched some of the Apple, you know, peak performance event yesterday, got excited for a studio display, and in the middle of it, I get an ESPN the breaking news alert, and I'm like, oh, you know, something to do a little more with the details on Aaron Rodgers' contract or a free agent re-signing or a franchise tag, and I saw Russell Wilson get traded. I could not believe it. I could not believe that he was traded. This makes... 
the AFC West, the best division in football. Last year, we were talking about the NFC West being the best division in football with Russell Wilson, with Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, and just a good 49ers team. Well, I believe the Rams will still be good next year. They're the rating champions. I believe the 49ers will be good. I don't believe the Seahawks will be good next year at 7-10. and 10. And the Cardinals and their issues that they had and their flame out last year, I don't see them getting 11 wins again this year. So now moving to the AFC West, the best division in football where, to me, they have four top 10 quarterbacks in one division. You got Patrick Mahomes, who to me is the best quarterback in the NFL with Tom Brady being retired. You got Justin Herbert, just outside the top five, or maybe five, somewhere in there. You got Russell Wilson right there with them, and then to me, Derek Carr is right there at 10. So you got four top 10 quarterbacks. Three of those teams made the playoffs. Only team that didn't was the Broncos. I look at this team, this roster, this whole division could make the playoffs next year. This division, it's stacked. And we get to see those matchups eight times a year. We get to see the Russell Wilson uh, against Mahomes or Herbert. But all that, eight times, four teams, twice a year, four times two, that's eight. We get to see great quarterback matchups, great teams play each other four times a year. Who's coming out of AFC West? It's brilliant. Great move by the Denver Broncos and by Russell Wilson for signing off on this. I was giving Russell a hard time because this is a man that said he wanted to win more championships, wanted to win Super Bowls, but he wasn't winning anymore in Seattle. His time was up. This, and it was more of that his time. It was his team's time. So either he's going down with the Titanic, he's sinking with the ship, or he's jumping into a life raft and, you know, swimming to somewhere better. And you know what? He realized that, hey, my roster, you know, it is depleted. You know, the reason I stopped rooting for the Seahawks, you know, as much as I did as big Legion of Boom fan, big defense fan, I look around and say, where are all the players that I like go? Not one is left. It's like, you know, Russell Wilson going into work, and it's kind of like Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation. He goes into his office, you know, and guess what? Leslie Nope is no longer there. Uh, Tom is no longer there as well. None of the people he used to work with are there. He looks up one day and goes, huh, you know, this is different. And he goes out and gets a new job, and he's better for it. Russell Wilson, same thing, driving into work. Where's Doug Baldwin at? Where's Curse at? Where's Richard Sherman? Where's Cam Chancellor? Where's Cliff Averill? Where's Earl Thomas? Where's Marshawn Lynch? Oh, Bobby Wagner going to be gone too? Oh, I guess I'll head out too. And he's going to be better for it. He is going to be better for it because he stays with the Seahawks. They don't even sniff the Super Bowl. Don't even sniff it. Now, with the uh, Denver Broncos, to me, legitimate. Super Bowl contenders. I'm not putting them at the favorite right now of the AFC West. I want to see how free agency shakes up next week. Not putting them as the prohibitive favorites in the AFC West whatsoever. I'm still keeping the Chiefs there. But I send them right below the Chiefs in the AFC West. This is a big move uh, that shapes up the hierarchy because now, in the AFC alone, you've got those four quarterbacks, to me, the top 10. You got Josh Allen, another quarterback who's top 10 in the AFC. You got uh, Joe, or yeah, Joe Burrow as well, top quarterback in the AFC as well. You know, you've got Lamar Jackson, the Ravens in there. You know, you still got Tennessee in there as well. Patriots, you know, can't quit on them, so... I mean, it is, I mean, AFC just got more loaded. And I applaud Russell Wilson for this division because, you know, not a lot of quarterbacks 
would want to go in to the vaunted AFC where it's undetermined who's going to make it out of the AFC every year. Who knows? I mean, he was just in the tough NFC West. Does he now go to a tougher division in the AFC West and take his chances? And he did. So I applaud Russell Wilson for taking a big risk like this. And I think it's going to pay off. It's going to work. And the Broncos, they don't get their ultimate man in Aaron Rodgers, but they get their guy in Russell Wilson. And this is big because the Broncos have had 11 different starting quarterbacks since 2016 when Peyton Manning retired, which is tied for the most. Only the Washington football team has had the same amount. So now you get your guy, who is the Iron Man before this season, who hardly misses a beat, you know, was getting beat up by the offensive line. I think he's rejuvenated coming to Denver. And he goes, this is my team. This is the best offensive line I've had since I was in the league on my rookie deal. I got Javante Williams, a good uh, rookie running back who has a lot of potential. And I could re-sign Melvin Gordon as well. Guess what? Chris Carson always hurt. Rashawn Penny, two games in his like five-year career. Better running game. My weapons. DK Metcalf and Ty Lockett are all right, but that's all I got. Now I got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, uh, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, guys who are good, but with Drew Locke, we wouldn't talk about them. Now with Russell Wilson, we're going to be talking about those guys a lot, and their value goes up now with Russell Wilson as their starting quarterback. Then you look at the defensive side of the ball as well. Russell Wilson hasn't had this good of a defense since the Legion of Boom. This is a top 10 defense in terms of yards allowed per game and number three in terms of points per game. So to me, this is a top five, top 10 defense, a good defense who held a lot of teams in check. And if they would have had a good quarterback, if they were to have a Russell Wilson this past year, guess what? They would have made it into the playoffs. The last game, they lost to the Chiefs by four points. You don't think Russell Wilson makes up four points? What about a week earlier? They played with Raiders. Defense holds them to 17. 17. They can't score more than 17. With Russell Wilson, I believe they do. Bengals. Broncos defense holds Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, to 15 points. But they can't score more than 10. I believe with Russell Wilson... They do, and you look down the list here of some of the games, you know, earlier in the season, they lose to the Browns 17-14. You make that up, that's around four wins right there. That's 11-16. and That's better than the Bengals. That's with Buffalo. And you beat Kansas City, you got the breaker, head tiebreaker against them. So, I mean, look at that. I mean, things just got infinitely better for the Denver Broncos, who had 20-to-1 odds, who now went to 5-to-1 odds to make it to the Super Bowl this year. Russell Wilson went from like 30 to 1 odds to an MVP to 15 and 1. This is big for the Denver. I believe Denver will make it uh, to the uh, playoffs this year. I want to see how free agent shapes up. But if it shapes up how I'm thinking, they get Von Miller back, who's golfing with Cortland Sutton, who's talking about getting his old locker room number back who just posted an Instagram picture of him and Russell Wilson saying, what's next? You get him back. You already have Bradley Chubb. Do they go out and sign a Chandler Jones or a Bobby Wagner? Bump his defense up even further, which I think you do uh, with, you know, the 24, $27 million in cat space that they have, you know, they make more moves and are in this win-now mode. There's no reason why they can't make it to the AFC Championship game. No reason why. And could this be, you know, the third year in a row that a, you know, quarterback is on the move and leads his team to a Super Bowl? You know, two years ago, we saw Tom Brady uh, do it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His first year, big move, goes to Tampa Bay, wins it first year. Matthew Stafford this past year does it. Will Russell Wilson be the next player in that line? 
But again, great move by Russell Wilson and them. I'll talk about what's next for the Seahawks in just a few minutes. Uh, first, talk about Aaron Rodgers returning to Green Bay on a four-year, $200 million contract. Congratulations, Aaron Rodgers. Congratulations by being the most selfish player in NFL. Uh, and there's not much more to say than that. Does this improve Green Bay's chances? If he would have left, it would have decreased their chances, but he was always with Green Bay all along. So to me, it doesn't increase their chances of winning the Super Bowl. I do not think Aaron Rodgers wins another Super Bowl or even gets to another Super Bowl. And you look at it, NFC, it's just it's gotten easier over the past few years with Drew Brees retiring with the Saints, Tom Brady retiring this past year, uh, Russell Wilson getting shipped out. So the NFC has really never been easier. To me, the divisional round's kind of set already. Denver, or, uh, Cowboys just coming out of the lowly NFC East. You got the Rams, the Niners, and the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers, he'll find a way to lose a playoff game, either in a divisional or championship game, because that's what he does. So I'm glad he got $200 billion. He gets this rich contract. But now what? What's next? Because you're like $44 million under the cap. Yes, you can move the signing bonus. You got $153 million guaranteed. But you had a franchise Devontae Adams for $20 million uh, to keep him around. So what's cut? What's next? Preston Smith, Zydaria Smith, they get cut. Uh, Devondre Campbell, you re-signing him after his All-Pro year, he's going to want a lot of money. Uh, so things, you know, for the Packers, at least on defense, I don't think they will have as good as a defense. This past year, I believe the special teams will improve with Passaccia. But you're always, you know, you're not always gaining. You know, you're gaining something. You're also losing something and with this contract and with their situation right now. Yes, they gained Aaron Rodgers, but what are they going to lose? They're going to lose some depth on the defensive side of the ball. And finally, this past year when they had a top 10 defense, couldn't get it done this past this coming year, don't believe they have a top 10 defense. So Aaron Rodgers returns, you know, but again, he's a very selfish player. Uh, he only thinks about himself. He only cares about himself. Oh, truly torn. Uh, you know, you know, I don't know if he was truly torn. I just think he wanted to milk Green Bay for every last penny that, you know, he could get. Uh, and when you have a back-to-back -back MVP, you can do that. But so what? So what if you're a back-to-back -back MVP? Because 20 years from now, what's your legacy going to be? You know, kids looking you up just to kind of compare things. What am I going to do? We're going to say one Super Bowl. Guess what? Terry Bradshaw had more than you. Joe Montana had more than you. Uh, Tom Brady had more than you. You're not up there with those guys. Uh, who are you there with? Uh, you know, Troy Aikman had more than you. Uh, you know, you're there with the Steve Mannings of the world, the Brett Favre. And that's it. Peyton Manning had more. Eli Manning had more Super Bowls. So Aaron Rodgers gets this big contract. But to me, in the end, it doesn't mean anything because Green Bay's still going nowhere. You know, just in terms of percentages, I'll give them a 1% chance to win a Super Bowl for the duration of this contract. Uh, but I don't believe uh, he ever wins a Super Bowl. I don't think Aaron Rodgers returns to the big game at all. And I'm still hanging on uh, to his immunization comments well uh so you know again this guy is i'll say yet again is very selfish and i believe the public media perception to him is kind of turned that way they're kind of turned off so to me the pressure is on aaron Rodgers yet again to deliver on this huge contract that he got is he going to deliver no but if you're green bay obviously you're not sold on Jordan Love. Because if you are sold on Jordan Love, you get rid of him. 
you'd push Aaron Rodgers out. You would have traded him, uh, done whatever you needed to do because you thought you had your one guy. But now they don't. Uh, so I feel bad for Jordan Love uh, because who knows if he even plays again in the NFL as uh, a starter. Who knows? Uh, I think he'll be kept around Green Bay for a while. I don't think they trade him. Uh, but that's going to be something interesting to watch. And then the Seahawks yesterday weren't done making moves. Also releasing Bobby Wagner, their star uh, linebacker who has been with them forever. Uh, same draft as Russell Wilson as well. And, you know, really signaled the end of an era of Bobby Wagner, an eight-time Pro Bowler, six-time first-team All-Pro, who's just been fantastic again, another Ironman. And there, you know, he goes uh, all-time. So who knows where he will go, you know. Dan Quinn said Bobby Wagner was the greatest linebacker uh, that he's ever coached. You know, he was the best linebacker over the past uh, decade as well. Where does he go? You know, some people were talking about the Niners. Uh, George Kittle, you know, uh, saying, you know, please go uh, to the AFC. And, you know, some of them as well saying, you know, what are they going uh, to do? I mentioned uh, the Broncos to the Patriots uh, be a nest destination as well. I think he'll have a lot of suitors. He's only 31 years old. To me, his best all-pro days are behind him, but he is still a viable piece in the middle of the field. So now, like I said, it's the end of an era for the Seahawks. What did the Seahawks do? They got rid of their cornerstone quarterback, their offensive piece, and Russell Wilson, 33 years old. They got rid of their cornerstone defensive piece, 31. What did they keep around? They kept around John Schneider, their general manager, and Pete Carroll, their 70-year-old head coach. So is Pete Carroll going into a five-year rebuild? To me, it's highly unlikely because I don't know if he has five years left of coaching in the NFL. Uh, I don't know if that uh, is the plan because I look at his quarterback draft class and there's none anyone is high on. Uh, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, it's not a great quarterback draft class. Uh, Do I think they tank next year? No, I don't think so. And I think the Broncos were smart because you could expect C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young in next year's draft. But, you know, you look at Trevor Lawrence, he could have gone after a sophomore year, and he stayed around another year. So NFL or college players especially, they don't leave after their sophomore year. They tend to stick around one more year, uh, their junior year, and then they kind of go. So that's definitely uh, something interesting as well. But I believe, you know, the Seahawks either sign a quarterback in free agency I don't think they do the whole year uh, with uh, Drew Locke. A lot of talk right now on Deshaun Watson going there. Deshaun Watson will be meeting before a grand jury on Friday to see if he's going to be indicted or not uh, of his charges or whatever is going to happen that day. Uh, You know, if he clears his case or clears everything, whatever's going to happen. A lot of people like him. To go to the Seahawks, Seahawks could go all in on him. They could, you know, trade everything they just got, maybe add another first-rounder in there for Deshaun Watson. Now, would that be the ultimate flip of the century? Basically, you know, doing a Deshaun Watson-Russell Wilson spot. But, again, that's not guaranteed uh, because who knows what's going on with Deshaun Watson. What will the verdict be? But then also Houston uh, being hard when it comes to Deshaun Watson and wanting, you know, like four first-round picks and like a couple star players. They don't have that much star players over there on the Seahawks to trade. So 
that'll be interesting. But if it is with Drew Locke, uh, this team is going to be a very bad team. I could see them trading uh, Tyler Lockett, maybe even DK Metcalf really starting a new, trying to, you know, free up calorie, salary cap space, uh, getting more assets to kind of go out and get some people or trade those assets to them, you know, retool on the fly. It can be done. I just don't know if it's possible, especially with their track record recently in the draft. Seattle, a recent draft have not been good. Yes, they hit on DK in the second round, but tell me the last time they've hit on somebody uh, that's panned out because none of their draft picks lately have panned out for them. So Seahawks, to me, were bottom of the NFC West last year. I see them staying there in the bottom of the NFC West. Uh, It really was a crazy day uh, for uh, football. Again, this trade, uh, all of that. So Seahawks moving on from two key players, but keeping their 70-year-old head coach, which, again, I have a problem with because Pete Carroll's philosophy, to me, no longer applies to the NFL. Did it apply 10 years ago where you could run with beast mode and have the best defense and win Super Bowls? Yes. Yes, it did. Does it apply now to win Super Bowls? No. You look at the past Super Bowl champions, they've all been top 10 quarterbacks in the league. Matthew Stafford, top 10 quarterback, won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady, top 10 quarterback, won multiple Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes, top 10 quarterback, won a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning, top 10 quarterback, won a Super Bowl. So you win a Super Bowl with a top 10 quarterback. Russell Wilson, top 10 quarterback, won a Super Bowl. You don't win a Super Bowl with the Drew Locks of the world, with the Malik Willis. So, again, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in Seattle to see if they go after Deshaun Watson, depending on what happens, or if this is a full rebuild and what goes on there. Then other news in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans re-signed Harold Landry for five years, $87.5 million, $52 million of that is guaranteed. And what better way, you know, it's his contract year, and he had his best season. You know, he had 12 sacks last year, uh, which was the highest for Tennessee in some time. Uh, And Landry, again, on the field for a lot of snaps, great linebacker as well, pass rushing ability, uh, good against the run. So this uh, is, to me, a deal that had to get done. Uh, especially with some of the other moves. You can't just be letting people go in your team getting worse. Uh, so this was a good move by Tennessee to go out and resign uh, one of the better linebackers in the game right now, outside linebacker Harold Landry. Then the Chargers resigned Mike Williams, their second wide receiver, $60 million deal, $40 million guaranteed, 28 in year one. Again, contract year coming off his best year, 76 receptions, 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns. Uh, Really great. To me, Justin Herbert, uh, Mike Williams have more of a connection than him and Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, to me, you know, might be better, you know, raw talent-wise, a route runner, but Mike Williams is that big, six foot four, uh, deep ball, deep thread, 50-50, uh, type target, and Justin Herbert, to me, has a clear connection. And again, this news broke after the Russell Wilson news. So, again, Chargers were like, we can't deplete our team when this division just got better. we got to keep our team the same and, as well, get better. So, good news for the Chargers signing him. Congratulations to Mike Williams uh, for getting that money as well. Then the Giants, the New York football Giants, are expected uh, to try to sign Mitch Trubisky. And that was one of the teams, I said Mitch Trubisky should go to. One of the teams that should sign Mitch Trubisky is 
the New York Giants, why would they sign him? It's the same reason I said to push Daniel Jones to see, you know, with this quarterback, let the best quarterback win. You know, right now it's Daniel Jones gigs. He doesn't really have to do anything. But throwing Mitch Trubisky in there, guess what? That's going to push Daniel Jones. So either Daniel Jones is in a work harder, come out on top, or Mitch Trubisky is, and he's a man. So it, to me, the New York Giants, who are already terrible, you put this in, and you really have a win-win situation because you're going to be more competitive with the better quarterback, the more competitive quarterback. So this, to me, is a very smart move. If the New York Giants go out and go get Mitch Trubisky. Now, moving on to the NFC North and what I've been doing the past week. And saying what does each team need to do uh, to, you know, stay where they are, get better, uh, advance farther. Uh, what they have to do is off-season draft, anything like that. So the Packers are up. What do they have to do? Well, they just did two big things. They re-signed Aaron Rodgers. They franchise tagged Devontae Adams. Is that it? No, no. They're in salary cap hell, uh, and they need to clear a lot of cap space. Uh, so they're going to have to cut people on defense. I expect the Smith brothers to get cut, and that leaves your defense weak. So what do you have to do? You have to go out and draft defensive depth. You have to go spend draft capital on defense. To me, uh, specifically, edge rushers and coverage linebackers, that's what you need to get. Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, great, but you lose the Smith brothers. You need to add something in there, depending on what happens with Devondre Campbell, too, and Rasul Douglas. So this Packers team, even though their two biggest question marks are still out of the way, they still got a lot of little question marks that have left to be answered. So the Packers need to focus on their cap space, what they're going to do with some of their key players. You know, Zyderia Smith with a $28 million cap hit, Preston Smith. $20 $20 million cap hit. Rasul Douglas, who will be a free agent, uh, who had a terrific season with them. All those guys, are they going to re-sign them or not? Because if they don't, your only hope is to then look at the draft uh, for things like that. Or do they get creative and trade Aaron Jones? Yes, they restructured his contract, but do you trade him? To me, A.J. Dillon can definitely be the top running back. So do you create even more space and try to get another pick or something to make this roster even better, get a second wide receiver from this draft class? How about the Vikings? What do they need to do? They were 8-9 last year. They kind of been falling. Mike Zimmer gone. New head coach, O'Connell in from the Rams, former offensive coordinator as a head coach. What does he need to do? He needs a quarterback. Con Artis Kirk is not your guy. He's never won a playoff game. He never will. He's not good. He's a fraud. He's just taking money from the organization of Minnesota and absolutely doing nothing in return. It's mind-boggling to me how he's still the quarterback there. When it's a quarterback-driven league and you don't have a top-10 quarterback, you ain't doing nothing. The Vikings are not better than the Cowboys, not better than the Niners, not better than the Packers in their own division, uh, or the Rams. They ain't beaten any of those teams. Now, could they sneak into a playoff spot? But yeah, if they face one of those teams in the first round, they are losing. The Vikings are not a good team. And yes, there's other uh, issues to address on this team primarily defense in the cornerback situation as well, uh, to have a shutdown kind of guy. They need that. But when you don't have a top-10 quarterback, it's awfully hard to win in the NFL. And Kirk Cousins, to me, is not that guy, will never be that guy, because he'll give you great moments, you know, 
in the regular season, but in the big moments, in a primetime game, on a Sunday night game, I need to beat the Cowboys. And Dak Prescott isn't playing, and I get outplayed by Cooper Rush on Sunday night football when Jared Goff and the Lions beat me and they haven't won a game yet. And I lose then because I come up short. I, Kurt Cousins, come up short time and time again in the big moments. I cannot lead a comeback. I cannot be there for my team. Against the Browns, I can only score seven points. I can't score more than that for my team. I just can't do it. Against the Ravens, you know, I need to play better, you know, at the end there. And guess what? I don't. I just don't. Uh, Again, against the 49ers, what do I do? I line up under my right guard. My right guard doesn't snap a ball to me. It's the center. I line up under my right guard. I have to waste a timeout and then wind up losing the game. That's con artist Kirk for you. That's what he does. That's what the Vikings need. A quarterback to compete. Chicago. What do they need? They need a legitimate wide receiver number one. Allen Robinson is great, but to me, his time in Chicago, it's clearly up. So he, I think he'll be gone. Uh, Darnell Mooney is not a wide receiver one. And you want to go and develop Justin Fields. What does Justin Fields need? A number one wide receiver. He needs a Jamar Chase uh, to go over top off with his defense. And to me, guess what? There's going to be a couple of Ohio State wide receivers coming out this draft for Chicago to look at. Do they like a Chris Olave? Do they like a Garrett Wilson? You know, a connection there that Justin Fields like and says, hey, thank you. Now we can go and do some damage. Probably won't have an ascension like Joe Burrow, but guess what? You establish that connection and you build around that. Then you can kind of retool the offensive line, maybe focus on a running game defense from there. But you want an established connection between a quarterback and a wide receiver. I think Chicago needs to go out, get wide receiver number one for uh, Justin Fields. And then Detroit. What does Detroit need to do? Dan Campbell said the uh, goal is to get tougher in the trenches. Last year it was offensive line. It was Panay Suol. And guess what? Offensive line much improved. Taylor Decker, his offensive line is good. Now you get tougher in the trenches. Now we have to turn our focus to the defensive line. I think you go out and get Aiden Hutchinson. He might go number one to the Jags. And if he does, you go out and get Kavan Thibodeau. You have to go out and get defensive line, get stronger defensive side. You know, don't get lured. You know, you took, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Okuda, a few years ago, number three at cornerback, had injuries, hasn't panned out yet. There's still hope, but I don't go out and draft a Sash Gardner. I don't go out and draft a Kyle Hamilton safety. Uh, when I want to get tougher in the trenches, a play bully ball, a bite off a kneecap, that safety ain't doing that. I need to go out and get defensive line to be able to stop the run and rush the quarterback. Then if you have both sides of your line good and in shape, that's when next year, you know, where you're looking now to take the top off and then ascend to the playoffs, that's when you look to the flashy positions. The quarterback, the wide receiver, the safety, that's when you can really evaluate those. But don't spend too early on one of those skill position uh, players. Wait till next year. This year, get tougher in the trenches. I got faith in you, Dan Campbell. I know you can do it. So that's what each team in the NFC North needs. Green Bay, answer their question marks. Get that salary cap down. Vikings, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Chicago, get that wide receiver. And Detroit, 
get a defensive lineman, get tougher in the trenches. Now moving on uh, to the NBA. And yesterday, Kyrie Irving dropped 50 points on the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets, one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. And Kyrie drops 50 on only 19 shots. Just, just insane. Uh, yeah, he was able to drop 50 on 19 shots. 9 of 12 from 3. Only missed one shot from a field that wasn't uh, a three-pointer as well. I mean, he was tremendous. And he missed two free throws, so he really he could have had 52 points because uh, he's an excellent uh, free throw shooter. Kyrie Irving was sensational. Put the team on his back, on his back, because it was not Kevin Durant's night. You know, 14 points uh, right there, uh, five turnovers. Wasn't his night at all. Uh, it was Kyrie Irving's night uh, to put the team on his back. You know, when we all look uh, to Kevin Durant uh, to, you know, do that yesterday, it was Kyrie Irving. And this begs the question, you know, since Kyrie Irving is so good, so great, that imagine if he would have got the shot and he would have been doing this all season long, not just road games, not just against the Hornets on the road, but against every single team. Because we know how great Kyrie is, but the consistency, obviously, is not there because he can't play home games. So, again, that was a big game. Now, you know, we play the 76ers tomorrow. How will that game fare uh, for them? coming up, you know, Kyrie Irving will play in that game. How will he uh, show up? Will he perform yet again against a good a 76er team? I think he'll show up 50-piece unlikely. That'll probably be uh, Kevin Durant's game, uh, but it's good to see Kyrie do this. It only begs the question, what if? What if he played every single game? The Brooklyn Nets would not be a 500 team. Right now. Then, tonight, a couple games on ESPN. The first, the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat. This is the battle of a couple of the top seeds playing each other. They already met once in Phoenix. Miami drubbed them 123-100. So now Phoenix is visiting them. Uh, who knows if Devin Booker will be cleared tonight now, with uh, the health and safety protocols. I don't think it matters if Devin Booker is in or not. I like the Heat uh, to win this game. The Heat have been playing great uh, recently. They're one of the best home teams as well. Uh, they're leading the league in three-point shooting. Victor Oladipo shooting 66% from three-point range. But you got the Suns. You know, the best home team, or the best away team, uh, 24 and 6. You know, they lead the Western Conference in three-point shooting. Cam Johnson leading the Suns with 44%, who's playing really good uh, as well. But I'd like the Heat, you know, they're more hot in their past eight, uh, or in the past 10 games, they've won 814 points uh, as well. Their opponents only scoring 106 are a great defensive team. Eric Spolster is a great coach. Uh, Suns have been just as good, but a little off and on with CP3, extended injury, and um, Devin Booker in his health and safety protocols. So now we get this uh, matchup right here. Two number one seeds going at it. Is this an NBA Finals preview? No, I don't think so, because I don't think Either of these teams make it uh, to the NBA Finals. Uh, I just don't see it happen. I don't see it possible. They both got great stars, great players. But to me, I just don't see it uh, right now. Uh, But again, these are two of the best teams in the league. Uh, 
Jimmy Butler, one of the best players in the NBA, all-star game, all-star player right there. Bam Adebayo, great player. Chris Paul is good. Devin Booker, uh, the Heat bench is sensational. Second best bench uh, in the game uh, right now to me, right behind the Memphis Grizzlies uh, with their depth. Uh, Phoenix Suns are right there behind them. You know, two great coaches in Eric Spolstra and uh, Monty Williams uh, for the Phoenix Suns. So, again, this is going to be a great matchup tonight. I think it'll be good, but I'm picking the Miami Heat to win. And I do not think this is a, a finals preview. But I do think it will be an excellent game. I got the Miami Heat winning. Then you have the Portland Trail Blazers and the Utah Jazz on shortly after that. Utah, again, one of the better home teams in the league. I think they win tonight. Donovan Mitchell has been playing great. Uh, and to me, Portland, they're just playing losing basketball. Uh, I know we talk about the Lakers. You know, could they miss the play-in? Could they be jumped? You know, I do think the Pelicans is a possibility. However... I do not think Portland's a possibility or the Spurs are a possibility. Uh, to me, Portland is not that team, especially with C.J. McCollum being gone, Dame Lillard not even playing. You know, you can tell me, and I agree, that, you know, Infernee Simons, you know, is a good player, but he's not great. He is not the kind of guy that's going to bring the house down. You know, there's Josh Hart. They got a good, you know, Players that, you know, on great teams wouldn't be starting. They've got talent, but it's just not enough to match the Donovan Mitchell, the Mike Conley, uh, the Rudy Gobert. It is uh, not enough. And with Utah being mostly healthy now, again, they are getting back. They're playing better. One of the better teams in the league. So, again, they don't see the Utah Jazz losing this game uh, to the Portland Trailblazers especially at home when they only have uh, 10 home losses. Now moving on uh, to the NHL. I want to give my top five teams in the NHL uh, right now. Number five, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, They are winners of two in a row. They're now up to 78 points as well. And again, great goal differential, which I look at. So balanced offensively and balanced defensively with the goaltending as well. Uh, Led, you know, by the great Austin Matthews, uh, Mitch Marner, defensive Riley. I mean, his team's playing good. Jack Campbell, a goalie has been one of the better goalies this year as well. Uh, so this Toronto Maple Leafs team is really good. They've got the star power. They've always been a good regular season team. The question's always been the playoffs, but right now they're playing as one of the best teams in the NHL. Number four, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Winners of seven of their past ten. One of four teams to be at 80 points and. All their stars are playing great. Andre Vasilevsky, great. Only 10 losses this year. Uh, goals allowed is just around two. Save percentage at 918. Playing great. Steven Stamkos, fully healthy again. And again, leading his team in points. Leading his team in goals as well. Uh, and Victor Hedman, like, still one of the better defensemen in the league. This is a well-balanced a roster and team that just play great. And here they are again, one of the best teams, not only in the East, but in the league. Number three is yet another representative from the Atlantic division. And that's the Florida Panthers kind of on a roll. Now they have won four in a roll and have the best goal differential in the NHL. They have scored the most goals in the NHL. They are the best offensive team in the NHL. And defensively as well, they have allowed one of the fewest uh, goals in the league as well. Uh, the goaltending has just been stellar. 
uh, for this team. Sergei Bobrovsky has woken up, has played really good. Uh, Jonathan Huberto, Andre Barkov on offense, Duclair, Hornquist. This team is balanced with the depth and scoring and the physicality as well, which you need in the NHL. And the Florida Panthers are doing it better than anyone. But who's number two? Carolina Hurricanes. Again, 83 points to me, the best team in the East. Yes, you know, you look at the stats for uh, Carolina or uh, Florida, and they're right there. But to me, Carolina, they just jump a little bit more. To me, they're a little bit more athletic uh, and younger and faster. And that's just what I see from Sneshnikov, from Sebastian Ajo, of Frederick Anderson, who was the Toronto Maple Leafs goalie and who was really good in having his best year ever with the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, with you know the goals allowed at two and the save percentage at 928, and their backup goalie, Antti Ranta, one of the best backups in the league. So this team is stacked, it's loaded, it's the best team in the Metro. I think they've already got the Metro locked up and there's still like 20 games left to play. But I still think they're the best team in Metro. They'll win that division. The Carolina Hurricanes are a great hockey team. But number one is still the Colorado Avalanche with 87 points, tops in the league, 41 wins. Nobody else, nobody else in the league has 40 plus. Uh, 12 losses, which is tied for the second. Uh, lowest amount in the league with the Carolina Hurricanes. Again, this is a team that is constantly winning. Uh, Darcy Kemper has been playing great. The only time it feels like they lose is when they play, you know, the lower lifes of the NHL, the Coyotes, which they lost to twice. You know, they lost to the Devils. But they play a good team, and they just really hammer it to them. That's when they kind of elevate and play their best. Uh, and here, you know, tomorrow they play the Hurricanes, and which should be a good game. You've got Landeskog, you know, really coming into form now. Uh, Kadri, you know, who's just been rock solid all year long. And then Annette Darcy Kemper has been that same way. Uh, their backup, Francois, as well, has been great. So this Colorado Avalanche is the best team in the league. Uh, still, nobody's taken them out yet. Those are my top five teams, the Maple Leafs, the Lightning, the Panthers, the Hurricanes, and the Avalanche. And then tonight I'm picking two games, the Washington Capitals and the Edmonton Oilers. First, I'm picking the Washington Capitals. There's just something I don't like about picking the Oilers, especially in primetime games or any game in general. All the hoopla that gets put on Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Yes, they're good, but I look at the team at Washington better. And this is a more complete, a better team on the other side. So I really do like the Washington Capitals uh, to win uh, this game tonight. I like Samsonov, Ovechkin, uh, their star players. I trust more in this type of game uh, than the Edmonton Oilers. The Canadians and the Canucks. Canadians... You know, worst team point-wise in the league. But it got a little better since Martin St. Louis has taken over, taken over as head coach. Can they beat the Canucks? I'm going to say yes. They upset the Canucks tonight. Now, do I think the Canucks are great? No. Do I think the Canadians are terrible? Yes. But I don't think the Canadians want to be the worst team in the league. With the Coyotes winning their game, uh, you know, I do think the Canadians sort of want to match them. Uh, and kind of win again. So I do think the Canadians win this game, pull off the upset. They've won seven of their past, and which isn't poor by any stretch of the imagination. So I think they go out and they get a big win tonight. I like the Canadians to win this game. Uh, if I was a betting man, I'd definitely put it on there because the Canadians are plus 220. So... Just as that is a little nugget. And now moving on to college basketball to finish up. 
The Gonzaga Bulldogs, to me, have wrapped up the top seed. They beat St. Mary's. They won their conference. An easy conference, but St. Mary's is tough. But to me, they wrapped up the top seed. They're the number one overall seed now. Nobody can stop them, at least in the regular season. Do I think they're a prohibitive favorite to win the bracket March Madness? No. Uh, They'll be tested. Uh, and this is a good Gonzaga team. So now, who do I think wins the other tournaments? Starting with the Pac-12, Arizona is the favorite. Do I think they will win that? I'm saying no. I'm picking UCLA to win the Pac-12. UCLA really started off strong, came on strong. Uh, They kind of dipped, you know, you know, middle of the season, middle of the pack, but they've won three in a row. I believe it will come down to an Arizona-UCLA game. And in that game, I do have UCLA winning. They are uh, the better team with one of the best players in Johnny Juzang. What about the ACC? Duke is the favorite to win it. Does Duke win the ACC? I'm saying yes. I know the, the North Carolina spoiled Coach K's a final game, but I do believe uh, that Duke uh, wins this game. They win the ACC and his final uh, run in the ACC tournament. I like Duke uh, to win this tournament. Yes, you know, North Carolina can beat them, Virginia, but when the teams that have beaten Duke have done it, it's been marginally close other than this latest North Carolina game. And to me, that one's just, it was all the emotion uh, going into the game as well. Coach K's final game, the tickets out of sorts. So many former Duke players there as well. I mean, it was a spectacle. So uh, the emotion, I think, got the better of that game. But, you know, as Coach K said, the season's not over. It's not been a failure. They still have a lot of goals uh, to hit this season. I think they win the ACC. They won the regular season. I think they won champ week. What about the SEC? Well, this one's, you know, a little tougher because Auburn has been great this whole year. Uh, They're the number one, you know, in the SEC. But when do I ever bet against Kentucky and John Calipari? Do I think Auburn is a favorite to win? No, this is tough. They've got Kentucky right behind them, Tennessee, Arkansas. I do think Kentucky wins this game. You know, Tennessee has been playing really good. I don't count them out, but this is John Calipari's and Kentucky's league. I have them winning. What about the Big 12? Who wins the Big 12? Is it Baylor, like everybody's thinking? I'm saying no. It's not Baylor. I like Kansas to win it. They shared, you know, the Big 12 regular season. But I like Kansas to win this uh, title. I feel, again, Bill Self, this has just been his forte is the Big 12. I think they win this. Baylor, of course, is the toughest test. I don't think Texas Tech, Texas are as strong as years past. Or Iowa State, Oklahoma State, TCU uh, definitely can make games close. But I like Kansas to win the Big 12. And finally, the Big Ten. Who do I got coming out of there? To me, this is the one where it's really anybody's league. This is the toughest uh, league in college basketball. And, of course, I'm going to pick Michigan to win this. They're getting Jawan Howard back. This team's fired up. Hunter Dickinson has been playing great basketball. Devontae Jones has been playing great as well. Uh, They find ways to win games. Their offense better than years past. Their defense has suffered because of it. I don't want them to trip up, but I looked at this team. Yes, Michigan can make a run. Uh, They can definitely beat an Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, Purdue. They can beat any one of those teams on any given night. They've slapped Purdue. Uh, Illinois, to me, the one that's kind of had the toughest time uh, with them. It's going to be interesting, this Big Ten tournament, because to me it – there's not one team that should be favored against the rest. But it's going to be interesting. But I have Michigan winning it. So this has been Get Your Go. Again, biggest news 
is the Seahawks trade of Russell Wilson Broncos getting that. So what do you think? Is that the trade of the century? Or are other trades in the NFL bigger than that trade? Randy Moss was traded for a fourth-round pick to the New England Patriots and broke the touchdown record. That better, this better, or is there another one in your vault you think was bigger? Talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.